0: Well, welcome to something to do um a podcast that is devoted to music and generally things connected to who's could do the replacements um uh this time we're discussing a very important record uh sugar is copper blue um one of my personal favorite records greg i don't want to put words in your mouth <laughs> yeah, same probably one of yours as well so uh, yeah i was gonna say we're uh
1: darren made a joke that we are a bi-yearly piecast. <laughs> podcast piecast. Wow, that's just how hungry I am. Um a bi a bi yearly podcast. But we wanna we wanna I wanna change that. I'm sure you do as well. Um I feel like we say this every few <laughs> months, but I swear. Um because I already know what I want to do for the next one. Um because we've we've been a little heavy on the uh Hooskerdoo and, and Bob related stuff normally we'd be this would be I think a time to do uh some replacements related but with this anniversary uh you know as you're listening to this I I believe today is the um you know when this is posted not recording uh the 30-year anniversary of of this record which I'm going to go on record as saying qualitatively this is the best thing that Bob has ever done
0: yeah hands down and you my know,
1: favorite possibly not necessarily flip your wig might still be like my favorite you know thing he's been involved in but i feel like factually you can't really deny i mean this is just
0: yeah and i mean i don't want to i can't certainly can't speak for bob but like i Imagine he would seems to feel the same as well. I mean, you know, how many times does he open with at least the first three tracks? Um, and I'm happy to hear them every time. And 30th anniversary, I listen to a lot of music from the 90s. Talk about a record that note for note, song for song, completely holds up. For sure. And
1: we'll 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 definitely get into all that um in a few, but I guess some bookkeeping. Yeah. I realize it's been our last. Our last episode was it was then arcade in April, right? Yeah, I was. I'm looking at the for the exact date just to see what's what's all happened since then. That was April fourth. So I saw Bob, uh, Bob Mould. He played a solo. I've never seen him solo. I've seen him with the Bob Mould band, you know, half dozen times or something. or close to it maybe five times i don't know yeah. um and i this was my first time seeing it was just him and an electric guitar um he played at the uh world cafe in in philadelphia yeah and it's funny i didn't bring i forgot my earplugs and i and someone was like "Ah, oh, it'll be fine i was not fine <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, he still played super loud. Cool. Like the frequencies were like, I was like, Oh, they like kind of ran through you, but it yeah. was great. Um, and you know, the songs hold up. I, I was able to snag this. I'm ah, to Jude, that's awesome. This set list from the stage, which, because it was just yeah. him, this was a one of one set list. He's not writing out four set lists to put right, on right, stage. Right. Um, but you know, he did like, even just thinking about sugar songs, he did Hoover dam. That- he did. Uh, what else did he do? I'm trying to, I know he did, you know, if I can't change your mind. Uh, I don't know. He, did he do any others? Maybe not. I'm, I'm looking at just his handwriting and some of it's shorthand. So, yeah. um, you know, it, I could be missing something, but I mean, these songs are, st- this is all to say, these songs are still in his repertoire. Mm-hmm. This isn't a forgotten record that, you Know he's not touching
0: right, yeah, yeah. It's not like when you see somebody do like a legacy like tour where they like go back and play like you know an iconic record or something like that on an anniversary. Um, they're regularly in his rotation, right? Yeah, and he, um, is he playing like uh Strat or like an electric guitar, was it like an acoustic? It was electric, cool. Because I was thinking some crazy. few songs, obviously, like if I can't change your mind and Hoover, damn, like you know, have. Um, the really cool like acoustic parts on the record they're still like pretty rocking songs but
1: yeah yeah it was it was cool like you know I try now to with these artists I try personally to be like not you know I, I want to go as much as I can because I don't know how much longer he's gonna I mean he's in great shape and he's yeah doing, and I'm obviously would love for him to keep performing for another you know Be like paul mccartney you know perform for another 20 years but the reality is i mean we we don't know none of us know how long we're here getting a little deep yeah so i try to go you know every time i can because you know you never know yeah um and it it was great i look forward though to seeing him again with the band yeah um which i did get to see his rhythm section play with super chunk um a few months later nice. and it was funny because at, for a second when they came out on stage you know because Jason Nard- Nardusi plays bass for Super Chunk Live I mean he has for the last decade now every time I've seen them um and I'm actually seeing them again at that they're playing Frantic City in uh, the end of this month and he came out and I was like did he just kind of give me like a a a thumbs up like uh acknowledge me and I'm like no but then Kamala who I was with who's been on the show was like yo he totally just like recognized you somehow I don't know if it's just from being up front at so many Bob Mould and Superchunk shows but Jason I don't know if you're listening but if if that was the case yeah I'm I'm honored and and Super Chunk were awesome that's awesome. as as always um you know watching John Worcester drum is like one of my favorite things about going to shows Yeah, like he is just so entertaining to watch yeah um and he's just so good like i love his style and just kind entertaining, entertaining off the drums too his social for sure but like he makes it look completely effortless yeah you know like he just like i liken him to like not even in style but like like bill stevenson's the same way like bill you're like how he doesn't look like he's playing fast but he's yeah. like it's it's all in the wrist action i guess but it's just uh yeah it was it was it was great um and oh and when when i saw bob it was towards the end and i actually yelled out i was like we love you and he said i love you too and i was like Aww, oh
0: dude sorry. he like <laughs> you're like on the, level, on the level yeah i was like yes
1: but yeah it was it was great um jay robbins played that bob show didn't he And he was awesome. It was him and uh, Gordon Withers, who is a cellist. He did like that. If you've seen that, he did like some Jawbreaker songs on cello or something. Um, And he was also in Jay's band uh, Office of Future Plans, who had a record on Discord that's really good. Mm -hmm. He was in there. There's a lot of cello on there. And yeah, they were. He was like, I was like, this is a great show. Now, Jay played acoustic and he played cello and they played static by Jawbox. oh man like they did that and it was like chills like it was great yes. yeah I you- mean, the office of future plan stuff i believe so i'd have to i'd have to look i hadn't and i have the record again I love um, them like but it's you- yeah it's really good i mean it's it's jay he it's crack it gets to real high <laughs> like jay is you know he he doesn't make bad records honestly yeah That's um true any replacements news i guess since we recorded last they did the record store day release oh yeah for um the live uh from 1981 did you see? Yeah. yeah you can still find <laughs> right. it's funny it's one of those <clears throat> i was out last week and we were at a record store and there was like a bunch of copies of random like record store day releases still in the bins, you know, four months later. Yeah. And just it shows how they get you because they make you think you gotta get it. It's limited. And a lot of these, and one of them was that replacements record. But um I haven't I'm I'll be honest, I haven't had a chance to really dig into it. Now that I'm my new setup has me um able to play a lot more records. So it's it's definitely on the docket to to actually put on the turntable, like I do this new thing now, where when I get new records, um, I like put them next to the player, and I don't file them away until I play them. Gotcha, I like um, it because before would be like, oh, I don't know when I'm going to listen to this. I'll listen to the, you know, on Spotify. I'm just going to file it away. But yeah,
0: it happens.
1: Yeah. So anything, anything else I'm forgetting on the Bob Husker? Oh, I, I believe we did talk about Greg, you know, with cancer oh, yeah. um, last time. And it seems like he's doing well. I think his bands played some shows. The GoFundMe seemed to be really successful. Good. So uh, just sending out good vibes to Greg Norton.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and his family. Uh, it seems like, you know, he's got a wife and some ki- young kids. And I'm glad to see he's doing well. Yeah. Uh, so you want you want to talk Copper Blue?
0: Yeah, let's do it. I was gonna do a do you remember, but that's typically for when we get stuff wrong and we definitely again, we get wrong <laughs> it's, been, it, it's been so long nobody remembers if we got yeah. anything wrong. <laughs> um yeah, well, I don't know how much do we want to say, I guess, about the album itself, like before we kind of get into our personal backgrounds or like do the track by track. So um like little- well,
1: let's let's talk about our personal connection to it first. Yeah, and then uh go into a little of the background and then do the track by track so
0: why don't you go i've been blabbing yeah no so i so listeners of this podcast may remember when we did um file under easy listening the first sugar record that i heard was file under easy listening and that was because greg after band practice one day like we were all in the deptford mall and there was a dollar store there at the time and like in classic Greg fashion, just like Terminator visioned like the dollar store and like on the bottom rack found like a row of sugars file under easy listenings all for a dollar. And you were like, I'm buying a copy for everybody. Were like, bought us all a copy? Um, and it like blew my mind. It's an amazing record. Check out that episode if you want to hear more about my and Greg's thoughts about file under easy listening. So, um, and then at that time, this was pre-streaming. Um, you know, I was really, really into the record, listening to it a ton, a ton, a ton. Um, and then I started like, just like, I got to fill out all the holes, like in my, like, uh, Husker do and like Bob Mould collection. Um, so I just started like ordering CDs or like, you know, kind of going through like, uh, the rack, like at the local CD store. Um, and it was like right around the time I, my recollection was right around the time I graduated, uh, from undergrad. Um. I got a copy of it and it was like it like aligned with like a time where i saw the bob mold band um play at the festival pier in philly yeah i remember
1: that that was like right after my uh after my jude was born i want to say it was like july 6th you know he was born the first because i obviously didn't go and, and i had foolishly uh You know passed on seeing bob he came um well you go (laughs) i just remember the timing of that show and being like oh man yeah i can't go
0: yeah and like i had just really really dug so i'd gotten a copy of copper blue and it was like one of those moments where i was like why where have you been all my life like why did i not have this album um i needed it um and we'll talk i guess more about that when we do the track by track um Anyway, so he played um yeah, he played, you know, the first three songs. Um, rest of the set was great. Who else played? The Flaming Lips played, and they did the thing where like Wayne Coin like comes out like in the giant like bubble thing and like kind of head walks and stuff. Um Flaming Lips are tight. Like I like I like Flaming yeah, Lips a really good show. Um but but yeah, so that and that was it. And then like I mean, Greg and I were joking as we were preparing, like talking about getting ready for this episode that like typically when we like, you know, prepare for an episode, like I'll go back and listen to the record. And like, maybe sometimes there's like some songs that I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about this track. Right. But like this record is just in such regulation in my life. Like I honestly just listen to it once a week. Um, that, uh, it's just like, it's almost hard. It'll hard to talk about just cause it's like so much a part of, um, you well, know, something I do like all the time, but it's, uh, yeah it's it's like easily one of like my top five favorite albums of all time
1: yeah i mean it's for me i heard file under easy listening first as well and you know in a a pre-internet world that was the only one i knew for a while i don't think i heard copper blue probably until the early 2000s truthfully and and luckily in the early 2000s it was like the hot spot for getting used CDs was around them because the CD was on the deep. Cause it might've been like 2003, four like Napster and people were burning CDs. And mm-hmm. so I remember getting it from Amazon for probably like 75 cents. Oh, cool. Like, or something like that. And I was like, Oh, like immediately I was like, this smokes Yeah, file under easy listening. And, and I love file under easy listening, but I was like, this absolutely destroys it. And then i kind of got into the bob solo stuff via body of song which was the new one at the time so yeah it was probably like 2005 or something so it was like same time Um, yeah yeah. and i foolishly had passed on seeing him play on the body of song tour he played uh i believe the tla here and I think I even like called out of work to go, and then I was just like, oh, I'm not going to go. <laughs> like, and I wish I did because I think that was when Brendan Canty yeah, was drumming.
0: Yeah, I know uh, he was on the record, right? He I, he also yeah as well. Is my thought, my understanding. And
1: David Barbie, I think, was on a couple songs. Oh, so wow. that was what made me check out Body of Song because I remembered, even though we're not talking about that one, we'll get deeper on that when we get to that one. But basically, I remember there was. Uh, talk of it and how it was sort of a return to form after like modulate to like the guitar rock and it had david from sugar on a couple songs so i was like oh i love sugar and i got you know i checked it out and like you got circles on there and just a lot of great tracks but yeah copper blue um I, i it's a game changer i think it's uh it's just one of those records too, where someone on my Facebook, a friend, had said it was underrated. Cupperm- and that was, <laughs> yeah. And and our our mutual friend Sal was like, you know, kind of like he he wasn't. He was like, what? And and I'm the same way. I mean, to me, it's like underrated. Like you can't Google this record and not find a positive review, right? right? Because I think people forget. And we were a little too young, you and I. This band was huge. Yeah, yeah. When, when in 1992, I mean, yeah. this was a huge deal that Bob was doing a new band, not solo, right. and that it had this like punk energy, crunchy loud guitars, you know, that basically a sound that he helped pioneer. And then he came back to kind of be like, "Hey, I, I still got it," you know, right. Um, so it's like underrated and I'm thinking, yeah, maybe by like moron hardcore kids that don't know any better, but like, like people... when you compare it to Sergeant
0: peppers by like the average.
1: Right. Or, or even like of the time, like, yeah, it's not talked about in the same breath as like, nevermind. Right. It right. should
0: be, mm-hmm.
1: but it's not, but like, you know, yeah, that that's just, that's just uh, how it is. But yeah, it's, it's perfectly rated. Um, I wouldn't it's definitely not overrated. I know that much.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I know even, you know, a lot of times artists will kind of try to be reactionary, but it seems like Bob has definitely embraced like he knows that this record is as good as it is. Yeah. Um so yeah, I want to get into a little background. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do like a cliff's notes. So who's Du, as we know, plays their last show in 87 breaks up in January 89 at Grant's mom's kitchen table or whatever. <clears throat> Bob does workbook, which sounds nothing like Hoosker Du. It's, you know, it's like kind of acoustic based yeah. record. Uh it's great, but it doesn't sound like you know most of what we'd expect from Hoosker sure Then yeah, then he does Black Sheets of Rain, which is a little noisier and and darker and louder and then he starts writing for what was going to be his third solo record and i guess he had five of these five copper blue songs demoed and he was going around to labels trying to find someone to release it and he would he would supposedly just go into the office and brought the dat machine or whatever and he'd play the songs that he demoed by himself and that was it he'd walk out of the room and be like you know this is it what do you think so cool. and then um Julie uh pan Bianco yeah. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that she plays a lot into really both replacements and Hoosker do because she I believe worked for Warner mm-hmm. or something and again I, I could be wrong and she suggested to Bob hey you need to talk to this guy in over in the UK Alan McGee he does a label called creation. Which, side note, Jude and I, us being in the U.S., I didn't know that this was on creation over there until probably the time of the merge reissues. I just figured, you know, they were on Ryko disc. There was no vinyl in the U.S., by the way, huh, until yeah. until they did the reissues. So he meets with Alan McGee, and Alan McGee, you know, basically is gaga about Husker Du, and, like, almost sight unseen like, I want to put out, you know, I want to put out the the record. I'll do whatever, you know, again, thinking it's just going to be Bob Mould solo. Yeah. So, uh, he hears the songs, you know, he talked about how I think how influential like eight miles high was to the whole shoegaze scene. Yeah. Which I mean, real briefly, Bob, you know, Husker do and dinosaur junior. I think they're, influence on the whole shoegaze scene really can't be overstated. No, it's true. Um, you know, both both bands, I think. And so Bob he's like, "All right, I got to get play, you know, I got to get a band together." He had the band on uh the other records, but he wanted to get like, you know, different lineup or whatever he finds Malcolm Travis he had worked with him on I guess his band the Zulus I think he helped produce or something in the late 80s Malcolm signs on which was crazy Malcolm is like the same age as my father like he's like 10 he's like 8 or 10 years older than Bob wow so so it's kind of nuts to think like I believe I'm gonna gonna look right now but I believe that he was born in 1952 which again that's when you know my dad was born, so it's kind of nuts to think that like he was doing all this. uh Fifty three, February fifteenth, nineteen fifty three. So he's like two months younger than my father. Right. Um. But like he, he was like forty when all this was going on.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. You know, and so he gets him, and then through Bob's partner at the time, uh, Kevin, he gets hooked up with David Barbie. No. Uh, they,
0: yeah. They knew each other from the Athens, Georgia scene. Yeah. He's just thinking like the Malcolm Travis age thing. Sorry, not to circle back, but that's almost just like a slim Dunlap, like joining the replacements type, like age gap, you know?
1: Yeah. But like, imagine like, I mean, I'm older than 39 now or however old. Yeah. He was, he would have been 39 when he joined. Like that would be like you all of a sudden, you know, joining like this full time. Right band because they toured non-stop for the they were only a band for like three years yeah like because it's bob and he comes from the the whole uh sst you know like they they toured non-stop like it was just like tour record tour whatever um so he gets david they start rehearsing in athens um and pretty quickly on they decide like bob kind of decided like this is this is this needs to be a band it's not going to be bob mold yeah um and because he thought he's like you know this is it in the post nirvana era he's like people don't want to wear a t-shirt of a guy's name they want to wear like you know a band I yeah. mean look right? right like like yeah yeah like like Greg, so to, to his, yeah, I have a snail mail t-shirt on. It's like, she doesn't call it Lindsay Jordan. She's right. like, calls it snail mail. People don't really want to see a t-shirt, you know, not saying they don't, but especially then. And he, they were at Waffle House and he sees a sugar packet and he's just like, why don't we just call it sugar? It's brilliant. Yeah. And when at Waffle House, although now there's almost nothing that I could eat there but I guess I could enjoy a nice coffee yeah. and uh, some hash browns, <laughs> but um, you know, they form somebody that owns the 40 watt club in Athens was like, do you guys want to play a show? And at this point they had 30 songs or something Great. and they play a show and supposedly people were going nuts even though they didn't have
0: anything recorded. Right, and this is people can just like, like follow their social media to like see what kind of stuff right. or whatever and then they go back up
1: to boston area to a studio called the outpost which friends of ours actually recorded there have heart blacklisted a bunch of others and bob decided like i'm gonna get lou giordano to work on this and there was a funny part in bob's book where lou i think wanted production credit and bob actually said come on lou like so he gave him co-production credit because he's like these songs are fully fleshed out like i don't need yeah i just need someone to help me get these sounds yeah yeah and they record it comes out you know they they record this and beaster which we also did the episode on beaster but luckily this doesn't have to be the last sugar episode because there is the b-sides yeah. collection and a live album but uh yeah this is the last Sugar, like proper studio release, that we'll do an episode on. Yeah, but uh you know they they record this and Beaster at the same time. This comes out in September, and it was just like non-stop touring.
0: Yeah, we talked about this some on the Beaster record, but like those those two and that EP and this this album are like such a wonderful like counterpoint. Beaster is heavy. Yeah, it is. Like I think well. heavy. I think too that a lot of
1: bands ended up using lou giordano because of this record like <laughs> i would bet the farm that goo, goo dolls went to do a boy named goo with him because they were fans of this record
0: yeah that makes total sense
1: um and i know that when the ataris did that album the, they did one album with lou giordano uh so long astoria they're they're like big breakout one with the don henley cover Mm-hmm. uh they did that with Lou giordano and it was because you know chris Rowe, the singer said we love the way copper blue sounded
0: yeah
1: um but yeah i mean it's we got to see him play the whole thing yeah for the te- for the 20 year anniversary
0: yeah
1: um and i mean that was just awesome because yeah. like jude said the the I feel like the first side of the record is pretty much set list staples to yeah. a degree, especially you know he's always going to play Hoover Dam. Yeah, and he's always and then you know if I can't change your mind is like the really the only song on the second side that he usually does live. Yeah, so it was cool to see like that was the highlight for me. I think was seeing those songs on side two. Yeah, Fortune Teller, Man on the Moon, Slick. Like it.
0: yeah, I agree. I
1: mean. The whole thing is great. So I don't want this to come out wrong. It is a little front loaded. Uh, I, we'll get into that. I'm, I'm with yeah. you. With Just thoughts. because of the fact that those songs are so good. And one of the things that I will say they benefit from, from maybe not being brought up in the same breath as say, like, nevermind, which, you know, I mean, yeah. neverminds, tied for my favorite record ever you know like but never mind in theory you could say it's front loaded because it's all those singles but they got played to death
0: yeah i know like i
1: radio listen to some of that. I mean, I still can, but I, you know what I mean. Like side two is like that's where I think you know because you get all this stuff that really yeah. none of it was on the radio, right. you know, and so they do benefit by in in the case of Copper Blue, like it's not like every radio station was playing the act we act, right,
0: We're right, yeah, that's a really good point, and also too, I I think I was thinking about this as I was getting ready for today's, um, today's recording, but. This is an album that when I listen to side B, I have to like consciously like start with the B side because side A is like so good that and like I'm always going to start there, you know, that there's just like some like deep cuts or like deep cuts on the record that are like that are amazing. I think like, you know, a band I love like Failure's Fantastic Planet. Like the last time we saw them, they played a lot of like side B stuff off of that.
1: I noticed they only played side B. And that's just was a weird move. Cause yeah. but again, they it was I get why, because the top has, you know, a lot of the more set list statements. Yeah, Sergeant
0: Politeness and your um yeah. So it's like I I really appreciated at that show getting to hear the entire album and particularly getting to hear stuff that you just don't get to hear as much. yeah. Wow.
1: I think too, this was still during the era where people bought albums i know that makes you sound so old but it's true like it wasn't in the age of like streaming and digital so i think a lot of artists made sure to put like a lot of albums i think were quote-unquote front-loaded because they wanted to keep people's interest
0: yeah that makes sense you couldn't necessarily start off with like a slow burn yeah, we might lose people. And, like, I mean, to that point, like, there's a lot of incredible standout moments for different reasons on this album, and the pacing is incredible. Um, it's an album. Like, it's not, I think, one thing, I think a valid critique of File Under Easy Listening is you got at that, that album is really front loaded. Like, side A is incredible, side B is great, but it pales a little in comparison to side A for File Under for me um same yeah whereas this i mean there's pacing right there's like you know i mean i don't want to get too into the track by track until we get to that point but like i hear deliberate decisions to take the listener on an audio journey
1: for sure and and when i say it's front load like the whole thing is flawless honestly like i can't but it's still you know if you had to pick between side A and side B, because you know, at this point they were still probably even, especially someone like Bob, was thinking in terms of vinyl, you know. So, and and I love ten song records too,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: five tracks on one side, five on the other.
0: Yeah, Boom. yeah. Um,
1: but, yeah, I love the recording. Um, which, real quick, before we get in the track by track, I also think we can't uh, overstate, and Bob himself has said it in the book the importance that which is funny because it's a b- banned later on but the importance that my bloody valentine loveless had on this sound. Yeah and he mm-hmm. talks about it too. Yeah like so he he freely admits how that was like a game changer for him. Yeah. Um because he I mean you can hear it just the the way the the vocals are they're not buried but they're not blasted up front like a lot of stuff
0: he kind of like the guitar is the main here exactly yeah yeah whereas like you think of like i remember years ago when we were in a band we were like you know in the studio recording and like you know at this time i'm like 18 or 19 like i didn't i liked music and was like you know i was and i still am learning but i remember the um guy who recorded us um uh, at Atomic Studios, Dean Baltolunis was like talking about the production on the record. And he was like, it's produced like a pop record. Like the vocals are really high in it, like and like the lyrics are like, you know, really present. Um, you know, and I think that and I, I just like kind of always think about that, like when I think about listening to a pop song and like what's like so one of the things I think is so interesting to me about this record is that one, there's a single guitar player and I know this record like so 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 well and still every time i listen to it i just can kind of do the thing that i do like when i'm listening to like like a my bloody valentine or like a Swerve driver i just can like disappear into trying to decipher all of the guitar tracks that are going on and like all of the different guitar parts um which is like it sounds like there's a hundred guitars playing yeah. at the same time uh, yeah and when you see him it's still crazy that the Bob Mould band now is a trio because it sounds just as big and present when you see them play these songs and he's just one person. With one yeah, there's guitar. no
1: there's no guy hidden behind the curtain playing the second guitar or whatever. Yeah, it's it, it is. It's nuts. And he said, you got to keep in mind, the too. Video. <laughs> yeah. This is pre Pro Tools. yeah, yeah, yeah. So- he he had a double track vocals, you know, there's multi-tracks of the vocals as well. And he had to do them identically Great. each time. Um, so I mean this record took a a good amount of time to do. Um, the guitar sound is just, I mean, it's one of my favorite guitar sounds. Yeah. I don't know about you. Like I put it up there with uh, you know, Smashing Pumpkin, Siamese Dreams, just another one for me that I just I love that guitar sound yeah um and this is also just one of those just great
0: tone but uh what do you say we get into the track by track yeah that sounds great so track one the act we act what do you think greg there's no other track that could open the album yeah no. like
1: the way and it it, it it literally is like a mission statement it comes in with just that guitar mm-hmm. and then you know when the drums and the bass kick in um it's so heavy Mm -hmm. like it's got this like like you can almost picture people like going ape shit in the mosh pit you know know, like like it's super heavy but catchy and that's the thing about this record is these are all pop songs Mm -hmm. but they're just like super crunchy
0: and uh i mean
1: what a great song yeah Mm -hmm
0: yeah it's like it's so heavy it's just like an iconic like kind of mid-tempo track um this song could belong no nowhere else on this record in my mind or in bob's catalog anywhere right it has right. to be the first song on this album i mean yeah. you, you mentioned nirvana earlier like never mind in my mind like this is as much of an album opener as like teen spirit is like, i was actually going to
1: say the same thing it's the you know just like those opening chords of that are just iconic to me the same same it belongs in the same uh ballpark
0: yeah yeah it's like i i'm almost at a loss like for things to say about it because it's like just such an incredible opening track so track two we got good idea um well, this one's kind of got i mean i don't want to start off on a kind of negative note but bob mentions it in the book and i actually didn't even pick up on this until i read his autobiography um with the accidental pixies ripoff on there um and bob was my recollection of the book it's probably fresher in your head greg but my recollection is that bob was just like oops like didn't <laughs> didn't realize i did that
1: <laughs> but also like he was cool with it because you know the the pixies famously formed because of an ad that, that said you know f- looking for you know band. i forget if it was a bass player or whatever might have been how kim deal it was like fan of husker du and peter paul and mary so cool um and this was kind of bob sort of i guess you know paying like they passed the ball or you know he passed the ball to them and then they were passing it back to him yeah yeah,
0: yeah it's I love this song yeah I mean talking about the like so I don't want to like but go on too long but um the um all the guitar stuff like on this record that like in the second verse when he does that like super slow pick scrape for like the entire verse is the coolest. sick yes like I' never heard it I mean I like I started playing guitar when I was like 12 or 13 and like that just like blew my mind <laughs> I've never heard anybody do that before. Um, I I actually
1: don't know how this record wasn't bigger
0: yeah
1: not saying it's underrated, but it it definitely should have been even bigger yeah uh given the given the time frame um like real quick to backtrack Bob had played on that. he was on the run of Euro dates that ended up being documented for uh the year Punk broke. So it was like Sonic Youth, Dinosaur Jr., Nirvana, right before Nevermind, and he would get out there like after Nirvana, and he talked about how like they would destroy it, and then he'd get out there with a by himself with a twelve string guitar, and people would be like, "What the fuck?" But I think too that that if that didn't happen, we also might not have gotten Sugar, yeah, because he I would like to think he was kind of like okay, like the shit I've been working on for the last decade now people are finally understanding like this is great music right and so he's like well i can do it too and i just think what a great mission statement this was to like to come out the gate and be like hey i didn't forget how to rock either guys like you know and um
0: and do you know who i am
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and, and and that song too, yeah. The little pixies nod. I mean, the bass is so awesome. I love the bass tone, yeah. that pick slide. Um, the the core, it's just super catchy. And it's crazy when he plays these songs live, he somehow plays them even faster. hmm hmm Um, yeah, great song. Yeah. Like, I imagine getting this in nineteen ninety-two you're already bowled over by the first track and then this comes on and you're like all right cool (laughs) this is gonna rule you know
0: yeah it's like a ton of like i mean you said earlier like the shoegaze kind of production and like the lyrics are like you can still hear what he's saying but they're just less the guitar is higher in them right but the guitar is the main instrument for sure Mm -hmm. A ton of, like, I do think about the lyrics, like, sometimes, like, there's a ton of, like, kind of, like, water imagery, was I was really present to that, like, rolling with the tide in the act we act, right? Um, I mean, like, you know, this song, like, Head Down to the Water, but obviously the Hoover Dam, we'll, we'll get to that shortly, but I don't really know what to make of that, like, completely. Yeah,
1: because I, I, you hear that, what is it? It's like,
0: you hear the, it's like the like bubbling. at the beginning of it, right? Yeah. Or the heck it is Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like somebody using mouthwash. We mentioned failure earlier but there's like uh you know like dirty blue balloons like when you hear them like smoke the ball like in the guitar rip part oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, love, I know i love like, when stuff like that gets recorded on
1: an album you know? yeah me too uh it makes me think too of like uh the you know I, like i mentioned on where it went like i took like a deep dive into jellyfish in the first record there's a line that says like she kept her nose clean and then you just hear a a little sniff so kind of cool um so up next is changes this was a single i don't know what was the first single i probably should have researched they had but i know that they made videos for changes helpless and if i can't change your mind i believe
0: yeah
1: What do you think of this one? It's track three on a Bob album.
0: Track three on a Bob album. So I was wondering, like, does the hot track at track three still apply? Like, is it still relevant now that Grant's out of the picture and he's not like jockeying for where the single that he's written is going to be because it's all him? I believe so. Because if you look at his solo albums,
1: especially the Merge era, like Silver Age had track three was The Descent, which was the first single. And then... um. You know, i'm trying to think of the others but yeah i, I believe he still does it but yeah. great song yeah it's incredible the ending is just i love you know when it kind of switches gears at the end
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean i i keep doing like mentioning um you know gay stuff but i think that this song particular that like kind of weird swirling like wah, 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 at the end part it just sounds like straight off a loveless like one of the like interstitial track things on that which like another you know one of my all-time favorite albums ever um yeah i mean
1: I, it's just a great song i don't even like I said, I feel like I'm just going to great song for all of them, yeah. maybe a little bit more on the second side, just because they're a little less played. Yeah. You no, know, live and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, perfect song for a single. Uh, and then it leads into another
0: single, Helpless. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about like this as an album, and I just think the sequencing of the tracks is really brilliant. I think the vulnerability of the lyrics on this song, um, followed by Hoover Dam, um, which I want to talk about some more, um, is like a mental health journey we're going on here. Um, And I say that, I mean, I guess I like Snickered, but like, you know, I say that like, as somebody who really connects with this album, like on a lot of ways. a lot of levels and in a lot of ways um yeah um like what a, it's just a really a really um wearing your heart on your sleeve um uh powerful song for me helpless yeah
1: yeah it's emo man it is it
0: is it's like proto emo for real and like you
1: know, like i'm looking now i have a couple I have two different copies of this on vinyl. I would love to get a creation one at some point, um I but know. I, have, I have. No, it's not too bad actually. But the, the problem is, is they're not usually sold in the U.S., gotcha. so you're gonna get hit with that U.K. So I, the first one I ever got was, I guess, the first time this was on vinyl in the U.S. was Riko did one in 2011, which is weird because it was it was the 19 year anniversary, <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's you know we're talking about emo and stuff there's a like the insert in here has testimonials from guys from interpol ben gibbard from death cab for cutie yeah and then of course you know lou and bob and uh david barbie but it's this definitely had a, a big reach and i think a lot of people were inspired by it in the 90s yeah i mean death cab for cutie interpol they're huge bands yeah um, so yeah, just a, a great, another great song. I see why it's a single. Uh, you know, and the lyrics are cool, like you said. It's a great way to almost end the side, but we up next is Thankfully. the song you're always gonna see Bob play. I feel mm-hmm. like whether it because it works solo, it works uh, acoustic, it works with a full band
0: yeah what do you think hoover dam is i mean it's it's incredible it's like one of my favorite songs he's ever written um this like so you know sharing a little bit about like my own like kind of mental health like struggles but i feel like this song in my mind is like the most best accurate description of what it feels like to be in a manic episode i don't want to project this stuff on Bob's lyrics obviously it's this is how i connect with them as a listener but like you know um if the wind from the traffic should blow me away like it's just like I feel like this song right after helpless is like brilliant sequencing um and I think that these two songs and the vulnerability in them is a big part of why I connect um with this album and you know particularly with side A um on a little bit of a lighter note, I always joke like the I played this record for my friend Joe many years ago, and he was obviously like, "Oh, this is brilliant! Like, I love this record. Like, you know, we're all big fans and stuff." And um, he always like calls that like keyboard part the like Blind Guardian keyboard part. <laughs> I'm not. A big See one. to
1: me, I I think it's like Beach Boy. Like I hear California Girls. Uh yeah, I could hear that. I could hear Um, that. you know, a little bit like that kind of. And I know this is the this was apparently the song that. Bob's partner at the time, Kevin, played the demo for David Barb, David Barbie, because he knew David was a huge Beatles fan. So he picked like the most kind of Beatlesque song. Yeah, you know, with the 60s vibes to it to play for him. And that was what sold him. He's like, Oh yeah, I gotta do this band.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I don't know if it would have been tracked on the version that he would have heard, right? But that like kind of the backwards guitar part is like I never really thought about it as psychedelic, but like it kind of is a little bit
1: yeah i mean to me i i'm more heard like almost like that that later beach boys you know sound where i get a little more psych than i think people realize yeah i mean yeah this is just a classic song i mm. love the i love the lyrics um you know if you made a deal with the guy with the horns and the cape yeah you know just it's, it's a lot of cool phrasing and stuff and great melody I mean this is one of the great for a guy that has a song book of just so many great songs i mean this is in the top echelon
0: yeah for sure definitely i mean what a way too, to 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 side a for sure yeah because i feel like i experienced this in in a cd first mm-hmm.
1: so sides didn't really matter and it is weird like kind of after how, the first three songs are just like kind of upbeat and then or four songs sorry and then Hoover Dam comes and then you get to the Slim yeah and then it's like Hoover Dam and the, the Slim is a lot darker yeah and i believe if i'm not mistaken this is about like his experience in you know in during the aids uh mm. aids era i don't i don't, I don't know if that, i don't want to sound dis- I'm, you know what i mean but like i'm i'm yeah, almost I- positive that it's like about like you know just you know, him being, you know, just in the 80s and early 90s during, you know, when AIDS was on the rise and how scary it was.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, and, and,
1: you know, losing people, losing friends.
0: Right. To, to this, you know, to AIDS. Right. The then president won't even say it by name. I mean, Grant had a false positive test result, you know, I mean those are only some of the like key huge bullet point like highlights to like point to. I can only imagine what it's like to have lived through that right And you know keep in mind at this
1: point it's been well documented. Bob was still not out as mm-hmm. a as a gay man um and you know all the stuff you just said and I think this song really fits that vibe. it's dark um I love it like yeah I think when I first probably heard the album, Like, it was kind of like, you know, like, it's cool, whatever. But now I'm like, I think it's a great song. And this also kind of has that murky, like, shoegaze sound to me a little bit.
0: Yeah, I could hear that. I I will say if there is, I mean, the message of the song is really powerful. Um, If there is a lull on this album, it's this song for me by like a millimeter. Um, It's still a great track it's also a really nice break in my mind between hoover dam and if i can't change your mind i i almost wonder if this song feeling like a very slight dip in the record for me is simply because of where it's placed on the album Um, it's it's tough to follow up a song like hoover Dam. yeah And to proceed a song like, If I Can't Change Your Mind. But could could Hoover Dam,
1: see, but like, and then I think Hoover Dam couldn't be the last track either, because I think this has a perfect last track. It does. Um, So it it really is, it's perfectly sequenced as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, how about If I Can't Change Your Mind? I mean, that's...
0: I almost don't know what to say about this song. I love it so much. Like, it's like... There's so many great lyrics in it, like leaving with a broken heart, I love you even still. Um, what's the other one? Like with all the crazy doubts you've got, um, I love you even still. But I feel like, so if if Grant, we talk about this a lot on the Who's For Do episodes, but if Grant Hart wrote the best Irish goodbyes, the like, this relationship, whatever the relationship is, doesn't have to be romantic. This relationship's not working out. I'm gonna leave and I'm never talking to you again um this song is like the exact opposite it's like the mature adult responsible um like you know uh uh it's the anathema it's like the way to behave like it's like so keeping yourself like open and vulnerable in the face of hurt feelings and hard situations is like you know that that takes a lot of courage and bravery and that's what the song is all about for me it's emo again yeah it is (laughs) this is an emotionally powerful record for me yeah this is
1: another one that I mean he's gonna play this every
0: time. Yeah.
1: I don't know if I've ever seen him not play it. Yeah. I could be wrong, but um the band that horrible band Train mm-hmm. covered it. Yeah.
0: I don't know if I've ever listened to the cover. You actually, but, on, uh, like I put it on like in prep for this. Yeah. It's how little, is it? It's a little is different. I mean, I don't like train at all. I feel like I shouldn't have to offer that <laughs> to our listeners, but or to you, but um, Greg. Uh, yeah, but they, I mean, to their credit, you know, one of the ways that a cover can be good is that if the artist makes the song their own a little bit and they kind of change the tempo and like, you know, change the guitar part a little bit, um, okay. I, st- I still think it's a, uh, pardon my French, a swing and dick move to try to cover a sugar song and to not... <laughs> um, uh meet the response of the ire of the sugar fans you know but like um, right yeah
1: it's I mean I'll have to check it out I don't but I'm not a fan of that band but it's cool that they did it like that shows I mean if anything that just shows the reach where this like you know that's a better framing of it where this like uh you know bland mainstream you know constantly on the summer tour circuit playing you know where people get lawn seats and you know whatever just here drops of jupiter that was their song right yeah. like it's kind of nuts that they covered this but it shows again a good song's a good song
0: yeah yeah absolutely um
1: so next we got fortune teller i was stoked to see this live because this is one this is definitely the most upbeat mm-hmm. well not upbeat because i mean but the most like rocking song on side two
0: yeah um
1: like if anything like this this sounds like it's hearkening all the way back to side one like um love the song like the chorus yeah um super high energy and was great to see live
0: yeah it actually took me a little while to fully appreciate this track like i didn't dislike it um but i guess just because it's It's, I mean, we talked about the side A, side B dichotomy of this album, but, um, yeah. Um, it's a, it's such a great song. The chorus is so great that like the, that guitar like lead, um, part is so awesome. The next up, we got slick. Slick is another
1: deep cut. Um, it's got this, like, you know, the tempo's slower. Mm -hmm. Dirgy almost, right? Would that be? Yeah. Um, but it's got those like chanting kind of yeah backing vocals or whatever. Um I dig it.
0: Yeah. I mean I, I feel like the tempo makes sense for what I get the lyrical content to be about. Because like, so I was like, this is like the anti-alcoholic, like it's like the you know, the song about alcoholism, right? Obviously, Bob at this point has been clean for a number of years. Um and then I went back through the lyrics and I'm sick of staring at the wall. I hate the mirror with alcohol. Um, it's a great song. I mean, the kind of like, you know, plotting tempo of it, I think, aligns with uh lyric- Yeah, and
1: the subject matter for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm curious why, I mean, why why not? But I'm just kind of curious why the song grappling with like the you know, alcohol. Is coming now in his career but that's maybe he wanted to have a little experience in the rear view okay you know I mean, what i mean instead yeah. of
1: like six months of being sober be like all right now i'm gonna you know what i mean like maybe he wanted to you know draw from new life experience or yeah. who knows maybe you know being on the that tour uh the year punk broke tour like maybe he saw some of the dis- self-destructive behavior of other i don't know yeah um but uh yeah it's definitely like that's a deep like you can tell that's not a set list staple so that was another one that was cool to see See played live because i i doubt i could be wrong but I'm, i'm gonna assume especially by the time of like file under easy listening this probably wasn't a song that was like on every set list
0: yeah so then we get the album closer man on the moon what are your thoughts breaks comes out the same year as
1: uh my other favorite album oh my
0: gosh i never thought
1: <laughs> with, with the title yeah you know, automatic for the people i always say it's wow. like never mind and automatic for the people are my tied number one and this has that uh man on the moon yeah and this came out a month before wow uh, automatic for the people yeah same year but uh, I mean, great ending song. Yeah, and uh, just catchy, and it has you wanting to just flip it back over and start over the record again. That's all you can ask for for a closer. Yeah,
0: yeah I kind of get like um, I, this like I get kind of like my hero like Foo Fighters vibes from this. Or rather, putting that another way, I when I listen to the guitar work on this song, I can hear. How a song like "My Hero" by the Foo Fighters would have been in, or yeah, would have been inspired by this, and like obviously not a controversial statement at all. Like Dave, Goldberg. right? <laughs> <I'm all laughs> like and Dave would be like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah." It's an incredible closer. Um, I actually like often forget about how good this track is, um, just because the the first three tracks in particular are so iconic for me. Um, that like power metal lead guitar part. The... It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, and uh... we talked about sorry, I don't want to but like we talked about the guitar tone on this album, and I just want to like take a moment um, to note that there's actually like, I think a lot of really dynamic sounding guitar tracks happening all over the record, right? That like, you know, I jokingly called it like the power metal lead part, but then there's like the backwards part on like Hoover Dam. There's like, you know, all the cool, like kind of like Ridey, like, um, you know, like lead parts happening, like the part that begins fortune, like the main riff and fortune teller. Um, so I think that one of the things that makes this album um, really work so well and um, have uh, such a profound and lasting legacy for me as a listener, And as somebody who um you know tries to pay close attention to the guitar work in a given song um is that is that just the the sheer variety and dynamic and like layered aspects of what's happening musically with the guitar
1: yeah for sure and and of course let's not forget the rhythm section Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. you know on fire on this um Malcolm Travis sounds like he's throwing a house in you every time he hits. Yeah, like just like just great. And that's why it was big shoes to fill for John, Worster and Jason, and they did a tremendous job mm-hmm. and still do um of just really honoring the the parts but adding their own uh, you know flair into <laughs> it. Um it's just yeah, it's just, it's just, it's great. It's seeing it live was great. And it's one of those records, especially it's like a real good, like, end of summer, early fall. I don't know if I just associate it with it because that's when it came out. So, yeah. you know, in my head, that's, but it's just uh what a mission statement. And what a, what a band for, yeah. you know, the short existence. First show in February, 92 last show was in like january
0: of 95 yeah and just sure, uh, yeah Sugar like came into existence put out like all of their musical output like in i would argue like changed the very trajectory of where like rock and roll was headed in that time um and all in a time span that it would take you and me greg to produce two episodes of this podcast (laughs) yeah i was gonna say or even just like some bands take that long just
1: in between one record i know i know and and you know they were able to do all of that in a short time granted it was a time when people actually bought records i mean they still do but you know what i mean so it's like uh i would have loved to have seen them Mm -hmm. just a little before my i mean they broke up. I I got, I think we, we talked on the episode. I got file under easy listening for Christmas of 94. And at that point they knew they were breaking up. Well, not Malcolm. That was what caused the whole, the whole thing. you know, whole problem. Why he, there was a lot of resentment there for years was because Malcolm didn't know until like everybody else knew basically. Yeah. But, uh, you know, David knew he was leaving and whatever, but, uh, So they were only a band for another couple of weeks after I got file under easy listening, but um, yeah, just a tremendous band. Mm -hmm. And like I said, this, this to me is Bob's definitive statement. Cause he wrote all the songs, you know, who's could do, he had another excellent songwriter there, you know, helping him. Uh, And this is just, I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, Like one of my favorite albums of all time, I for sure, yeah.
1: It's a desert island disc. Mm -hmm. Um, it's awesome, like I said, that was on Creation, which is just so many of my favorite bands, yeah. You know, had stuff on there Teenage Fan Club, Oasis, My Bloody Valentine. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I could go on, yeah. Uh, but right at home there, yeah. Well, in, in the liner notes, the the merge version, which I have here, uh, which also has Beaster as a, like attached to yeah. it as a, a double LP, um, the merge version, the liner notes, Alan McGee, either in this or it may be in the file under easy listening, basically talks about how like, you know, people talk about Teenage Fan Club and Oasis and My Bloody Valentine. But there was a point where Bob Mould was outselling all them two to one. Crazy. Like it was a huge huge uh you know uplift for creation and then uh here in the states was on that label Ryko Disc, Mm -hmm. which was famous for the like teal tinted CDs, which is another reason my Terminator vision was able to like (laughs) own in on it. Yeah. Um you know for that reason. But uh yeah. Now what's your what's your favorite track on you go first. You gotta I, I honestly i was thinking about it and it's just gonna it's going to uh change probably when i listen to it but i really really like changes okay um i i think it's just a perfect song and i love like i said the the way it ends uh so that's my that's my choice
0: yeah i i thought you were gonna go act react Uh, almost did. yeah it's hard i mean i don't i if you ask me tomorrow i might pick a different song um i'm gonna say hoover Dam. it's just like it's such a powerful song i like i got a little emotional even just like talking about it on this podcast and i think that's a testament to um just what a powerful song it is and how much like you know i connect with it as a listener um and uh yeah and i think bob would agree it's a i mean it's a great song He, he keeps it in his repertoire
1: yeah and rightfully so mm-hmm. so i said um next time
0: mm-hmm.
1: let me let me look up something real quick here on the on the internet okay jude i'm holding you accountable for this okay on recording okay okay it's not a it's not quite an anniversary like a 30 year it would be 32 i would like to discuss the replacements all shook down which was released september 25th cool that is basically four weeks from today or something like that i would like to be able to have that episode to be posted for the 32 32nd birthday of all shook down
0: i would i okay i yeah i'm gonna hold you to it we'll we'll find a way we will find a way i love that record um, I think it's a really interesting one in their catalog. Um, and this might be a controversial statement to maybe, uh, move our episode here towards its conclusion. Um, but that's one of my favorite replacements records. It's I and love almost it. Almost to the point that I, if you, after this were over, if you were like, let's start like tracking that episode, I, I could feel pretty confidently that like,
1: yeah, it's, I, I, I absolutely love it. Her. And it's another one too, that really, uh, maybe. I say because of when it's released, even though I wasn't around then well, I was around, but I wasn't, I wasn't nine years old listening to it, yeah. but it, it, I always like it's, it's a total like early fall record for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, I i love it as well. I think it's, uh, it's awesome. So we, uh, you know, for those, cause I have had people ask what happened to you guys. And, uh, That's why I wanted to put I wanted to put it on the spot and say we're going to commit to getting that and then go from there. I'd like to try and do these a little more because it's fun to hang out and um, I mean these bands are just so easy for me to jabber about. I don't even need to research that much.
0: Yeah, well that'll be great. Well, we'll then officially after about three years of doing our podcast, we'll have two dozen episodes. That'll be our twenty. Yeah, right. Will that be 24? It'd be 24, yeah.
1: Awesome. I'm into it. So all shook down September 25th, which I'm looking is a uh also a Sunday. So yeah, it is literally we're recording this on the Sunday in August, the end of August. So that gives us four weeks we can to do carve it. out 90 minutes to talk about. It. I think we can do it. Yeah,
0: Love it. Awesome. All right. Well, That's thank you fun. so much. Yeah
1: for everybody for listening um and we'll see you soon that's
0: wow, good all right